VBS dance crew and kiddos. I think you guys can make your way back to your classrooms. Can we give them another hand? Dance dance crew, I've been at this church a very long time. I think that's the best I've ever heard the grown-ups clap. So you, you guys might have just worked yourself into a job all the time. That was that was awesome. Bye, guys. Have an awesome time back there. Thank you so much for helping us have fun this morning. Um, well, good morning, church family. I don't know what this box is. I'm going to get rid of that. Um, hopefully that wasn't breakable. Uh, I realized as I threw it. Uh, my name's Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Colossians. This morning, we get to wrap up our study in this book that we've spent the past couple of months just kind of working through and, and learning from Paul that Jesus is greater. And when we really believe that, it changes our behavior. It changes everything about how we act and live and pray and engage in community. And this, this morning we get to the, the kind of closing section of the book of Colossians that if, if you've got like a daily habit of getting in the word and you read through books of the Bible and study through scripture, like praise God, that's awesome. I feel like for me personally, like this is a section, whenever you come to the end, especially of some of Paul's writings, where you can be tempted to, to feel like, and even this week as I've talked to a handful of people, I've said, yeah, this week we're kind of preaching through the phone book. Like, we're just going to read a ton of names as Paul is giving greetings and kind of encouraging the church. But I really believe that this morning, the Lord has something for us. As what we're going to see is that Paul has willing people in his corner. That as he is on this mission and he is sharing the message and the hope of Jesus, he's not doing it all by himself. He has people who are suffering and striving alongside of him. And as, as I thought about the, just this like willingness and what it means for you and I to be a willing people, um, I, I thought about uh, a handful of years ago, probably six or seven years ago, a friend of mine, uh, we'd been in Colorado two, three years, and, um, and a buddy of mine was putting together this trip to go hike Long's Peak. And just out of curiosity, I know we're asking you guys to participate a lot this morning, but it's good for you. How many of you have hiked a 14er? Any? Okay. Handful. Wow, you guys are studs. Um, so two or three years or two or three years into our kind of adventure into Colorado, I hadn't hiked a 14er, never done it, wanted to do it, loved the idea of doing something hard. And as a buddy of mine was, was putting together and organizing this trip, to go hike Long's Peak. He reached out and said, hey, we're going to do this. And at first, I was incredibly excited. I was willing. I was like, this sounds awesome. Let's do it. It was like late August, early September that he was planning on a hike. Sounded beautiful, even not being from here. I'd heard about getting to the top of Long's Peak and really wanted to cross that off my list. And um, in this season of our family life and rhythm, I was still working in the restaurant industry and um, and so, and I had three kids who weren't in school, so I would hang with my kids during the day, and then when my wife would get off work, we would do the high five, and I would go work in the restaurant until it closed, and, um, and as the trip got a little bit closer, he shared with me that, yeah, in order for us to get to where we need to go and make it all the way up the top before, and, and then make it back down, we're going to have to meet at around 3 o'clock in the morning, 
And I was like, that's okay. I'm still willing. Let's still do this. It's still going to be awesome. I still want to do a hard thing. I want to go on this adventure. And, and then a few days before the trip, as I was uh, recognizing I was going to have to close my restaurant down the night before, which means I wasn't going to leave my restaurant until about one o'clock in the morning. I was like, that's fine. I'm still willing. Like, I'll just meet you guys where we're going to park. I won't sleep. I'm tough. I'm prideful. I'm arrogant. I've never done this before. Let's, let's hike up to the top of Long's Peak. We got this. I was still willing. And then I began to share with some people who are from here and much smarter than me. And one coworker in particular looked at me a few days before and she went, you're going to die. You won't live through this experience. And, and so as people began to caution me, I began to, to question my willingness. And then I turned to almighty Google because truthfully in my ignorance and that um, I don't remember if we were going to, I didn't know at this point, are we going to take the keyhole route or not? Um, but this sign is out there on the internet and you can't really read it, but it says that this route requires scrambling on, ex, on ex, uh, hold on, I got to read it from right here. Scrambling on narrow ledges, loose rock, and steep slabs. The only thing I scramble are eggs. I'm not scrambling on a narrow ledge. It says there could be temperature, frigid temperatures, ice-covered rock, a slip, trip, or fall could be fatal. Self-reliance is essential. Be willing to turn around. And as I read this sign, my willingness, I could just feel it kind of waning. Going, wait, this is, this is a bigger deal than I anticipated. We'll come back to the rest of this story in a little bit. But what I want us to see in our passage this morning is that the church and Paul himself needed willing people as they are sharing the mission and message of Jesus. And he is encouraging this church. He needed willing people people. You and I, my hope and prayer as we read through the close of this letter this morning is that the Lord would make us a willing people. And so with that, let's read our passage. Again, I think the temptation can be we kind of um, skim over this sometimes, but I believe God has some great things for us. And so let's read Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Paul says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you, you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. 
Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, that, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. In the last sentence here from Pastor Paul, he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, again, chances are as we read a, a bigger chunk like that, uh, your mind started to wander. You started thinking about what are we going to have for lunch or how come Nate said that word that way or why are we spending time talking about this? I know our attention spans can kind of bounce all over the place, but what I want us to see is the willing people that Paul had in his corner. He has been articulating now to this church how important it is to believe rightly about Jesus. And that when we believe rightly, we behave differently. And this is not a message that he is writing in a silo. He has people that he is training and sending and, and inviting them in to this message. And we need to be a willing people. And the first thing we see is Paul had people in his corner who were willing to share in the mission and the message that he is writing. Let's go back to verses 7 through 9. We're, we see that the first guy we meet here is Tychicus. He is delivering. He and Onesimus are sharing in the mission of Paul, sharing in the message that Paul is writing. They are literally delivering this letter to the church in Colossae. They're, they're hand delivering it. And look at how Paul talks about him. That he is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. He is not just a Sunday morning attender. He has rolled up his sleeves and he is sharing in the mission. He is willing to get in the game. He is willing to invest so much so that he's, he's willing to make the journey from Ephesus, where Paul is writing this letter, to Colossae to deliver both this letter and Onesimus. We'll, we'll talk more about that in just a second. He also is sharing in an update. He says that the very purpose for him arriving is that you may know how we are. He's going to give an update to the church on how Paul is doing, that Paul is enduring and suffering, and, and that Paul himself is willing to struggle and endure being imprisoned for Jesus. And the hope is that as Tychicus gives this update, the church in Colossae will be willing to share alongside Paul that they will be willing to endure the false teaching and the temptations that Paul has already written about. He wants to encourage them to stand strong, that if Paul is willing to share in suffering, so church can you as well. And Tychicus here is charged to deliver this message. He, he's willing to share in the mission and the message to deliver this letter. But even he doesn't do it alone. We get the story or we get another introduction to this guy, Onesimus. He's called a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Now, again, for you and I, we could read this and easily skip over it and feel like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. Cool. There's this other guy that's just a part of them. The book of Philemon is going to tell us that Onesimus is actually an escaped, a runaway slave who has been 
who has, who has found his way to Paul, who has been brought, as we say every week throughout this series in the benediction, who has brought out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son, and no longer is he identified as just a slave or a bondservant. But he is coming back to Colossae with Tychicus under the charge of Paul to be reunited, the book of Philemon tells us, with his former master, And now all of a sudden, there is this willingness to share in the mission of Paul, the message of Paul, and Onesimus is no longer identified as a slave. He is one of you. He belongs in the kingdom of the beloved son. The gospel is bigger than the social constructs of the day. And so there is this opportunity as, as these two men roll into town with the letter of Colossians to put the good news of Jesus, the mes- message and mission of Jesus on display as these men come together no longer as owner and servant, but as now brothers. There is this beautiful opportunity to share in the gospel work that Paul has been writing. And what we see here at the beginning of this this kind of section is these men are willing to go through this. They're going to tell, and he's actually charged, that they are going to tell you of everything that has taken place here. He gets to participate in the update that this is how Paul is doing. This is what's going on. And so these men are willing to share. And as they're willing to share, here's what I believe. This is going to enhance the truth that Paul has penned to this church. That all of a sudden now, it's not just Paul's words. It's these two men who are delivering the letter. They are living out the mission and the message that Paul has written to them. And it's going to all of a sudden become all the more clear because of willing people who have partnered with Paul. It gets the the word of God becomes richer and deeper and more meaningful as they are getting to watch it be lived out among these two faithful brothers. The church needs willing people, willing to share. The next kind of group in verses 10 through 14 that we're going to see is there are people in Paul's corner who are willing to struggle alongside of him, that Paul isn't going through this hard season all by himself. We're told in verse 10 that Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, that even as he's under house arrest to some degree, this this man is willing to physically suffer alongside Paul. We're also told that Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes, welcome him. Now, if you know your Bibles and you're familiar with the book of Acts, that this, is, this again, is a, is a part that we could be tempted to skip over that is so beautiful. Because Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts come to a sharp disagreement, and they literally go separate directions over Mark. Because Mark has this desire, life is hard, mission is hard, and Mark wants to go back home, and it frustrates Paul. And the two men split and go in different ways. And we see the Lord use that. And the gospel continues to now go forward into two different locations. But what's beautiful about the end of Colossians here is that Mark has relationally struggled alongside Paul. And to some degree, the two men have come back together now. There has been reconciliation 
And Mark is struggling alongside Paul as Paul is in prison. And Paul here, even, you can kind of hear the heart that he has for Mark, that if he comes to you, welcome him, receive him, let him come in, take care of him, be hospitable towards this guy. This is a guy that they had a sharp disagreement over. And yet, the gospel has brought them back together. That because both men are walking by the Spirit and willing to do the hard work of reconciliation, here, they're back together together again. And so they're willing. We see men in Paul's corner who are willing to struggle physically and relationally alongside Paul, but it doesn't stop there. We we get an update on this guy. His name is Jesus. And then Paul just wants to make sure we're not thinking of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're told it's Jesus who's called justice. It's a different Jesus. That was a common name in this time, in this era. And so Paul is just giving us another guy, and we're told that these are the only men of the circumcision, former Jews, who now have a a relationship with Jesus. They are fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they've been a comfort to me. That word comfort is literally a relief from pain. That they're struggling alongside him spiritually. They're working for the kingdom, and they're comforting Paul. I believe they're, they're praying for Paul. They're sitting with Paul and helping him process and think through everything he's writing and saying, and, and they're just, they're helping him in his moment of need. And then we get a few more guys. Epaphras most likely planted the church that this letter is being delivered to. We're told he's one of you, a servant of Christ. He's always struggling on your behalf in prayer. Even though Epaphras is gone from the church, he's still struggling in prayer. He's wrestling in prayer. Maybe some of your translations has that word. This is not just, Lord, help them, and moving on. This is dedicated time, energy, and effort in prayer for this church. And this man is next to Paul, struggling still for the church that he cares deeply about. And he's struggling in a particular way, that you may stand mature, fully assured in the will of God. He wants them to grow, to walk rooted and established in their faith in a manner worthy of the Lord. He has not stopped caring or struggling for this church. And Paul speaks of him, that I bear him witness that he he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis, that this man has a heart for the church as a whole. And he's struggling and he's working hard. And then we're told that Luke, the physician who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, greets them and so does Demas. And it's really kind of interesting. Here, we see Demas is struggling alongside Paul. And just, just a little bit of a cliffhanger, in about two months, The next book we're going to study is the book of 2 Timothy. And we'll we'll hit kind of another section similar to this in some ways. And we're going to see maybe a little bit different take on Demas at that point. But right now, Demas is struggling and willing to stand by Paul. And and what I want us to see is not just that they're willing to spiritually, physically, and relationally struggle... But they do this because they have embraced truth. Think about the things you persevere for. Think about the things you're willing to struggle and suffer for. It's only the things that you deeply hold on to and believe in. Otherwise, you give up. 
Otherwise, you abandon ship. They are willing to physically struggle, to relationally struggle, to spiritually pray and invest time, energy, and effort because they have embraced the truth that Jesus really is greater, so it's worth it to struggle alongside with him. And so they're willing. They're willing. And then the last group we see is that Paul is going to encourage the church in Colossians as they receive this letter to be willing to serve, to take what they have received and do something with it. He gives them this this charge, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha, the church that meets in her house, to take this word and this encouragement from Paul and now do something with it. Put it into action. Then he says, when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and and then you guys read the letter that I'm giving to them. Swap letters, learn from each other, grow together, spur one another on. That They aren't supposed to just sit on their letter and keep it super secret. They're supposed to share it with others. They're supposed to serve each other. Paul is charging them and encouraging them to be willing to serve other churches, to not just think about themselves, but to say, man, there's a church about 10 miles away called Laodicea. We should care about what's happening there. We should try to spur them on and encourage them and learn from them. And and so there's this, this encouragement to serve other churches. And then also, this last man is told, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord, that he is to be willing to walk and serve by being obedient to the truth. That he has received this ministry from the Lord, and so he needs to walk in obedience. They need to be willing to serve each other, to, to maybe even use hard words as he's got to be told, fulfill the ministry, don't give up. The Lord has something for you. And, and, and so we're supposed to be willing to serve each other, say hard things to each other, share, spur one another on. That is how Paul is wrapping this up. And when we do that, church family, I think what Paul's hope is, is that you will then embody the truth. You will take what we believe and it will transform how we behave. And we will get to live out the gospel and the word of God in community with each other. So this rich section is spurring us to be a church that is a willing people. Now naturally, you might be saying, how do I do that? This feels like a lot. Am I supposed to go stand on a street corner and start sharing and serving? And, and maybe you need to sign up in Redemption Kids. Jeff would say amen. Yes, that's what you need to do. Um, but I think in order for us to become a willing person, in order for us to really serve and share and struggle, it has to start with our view of truth, our belief. That's what Paul has modeled throughout this letter is that you have to start with the right beliefs if you want to transform your behavior. So this isn't just about us white-knuckling and doing better, but rather, what do we believe about the word of God? 
And so where I want us to kind of wrap up this morning is really where we, we started in Colossians 1, where Paul tells the church that from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In order for us to become a willing person for the gospel, who really believes that Jesus is greater, we have to ask ourselves some tough, some tough questions. Are you willing to study the word of God? Do you really savor and just, are you being filled do you enjoy your time with the Lord? Do you look forward to digging in the word of God on a daily basis? Now, if, if you have a walk with the Lord and you're in your Bible every day, like, praise God, I'm so thankful for that. If that's a real struggle for you, if that's something that really just, man, Life gets chaotic and hectic and it slips away and all of a sudden you're like, I haven't opened my Bible all week long. Like, I want to I ask you, and I want, this is a big request, but I want to I lay this in front of us as an option. That as I prayed and prepared for this morning, so we're getting ready to go into the book of 2 Timothy. And I'm just going to share quickly, like, something I'm doing with my personal worship that is really transforming my hunger for the word of God. Rather than just daily reading something next, I'm soaking in a passage or a section for a month at a time, just over and over and over. And y'all, it has been so good for my soul. I'm not saying read through the Bible in a year. Plans aren't great. They're awesome. This is just what I'm doing right now, and I want to share it with you guys. And so here's, here's what I want to lay before you. If, if your daily time in truth is really hard. I want to ask you, starting tomorrow, to just start reading and, and or listening to 2 Timothy. So like as you drive to work, as you go for a jog, or you're at the gym, or you know doing the dishes, or wh wherever you live, workshop, eat, play, just find a space to incorporate the Word of God. I would encourage you to sit down with a paper Bible, highlight, underline, journal. That would be awesome. But on days where your calendar is just full, man, download a good Bible app, version or Dwell or something, and just hit play. And let 2 Timothy, it's four chapters, probably takes 15 minutes to read through. You have 15 minutes to be a person willing to study truth. You can find that time. Ain't nobody that busy that you don't have 15 minutes. And this is so important. And so start reading through. And for the next seven weeks, we're going to be in 2 Timothy for almost two months. I would just challenge you, if this discipline has been hard, take two months and just daily read or listen to 2 Timothy. And then you'll come here on Sunday mornings. We'll teach through verse by verse. And you'll be like, I already knew that. Nate's not that smart. Praise God that would be awesome if we were growing like that. And so I've just got some things for you maybe to pay attention to that just kind of swelled up in my mind and heart as I was thinking about 2 Timothy. Look for commands from Paul to Timothy. Look for encouragements from Paul to Timothy. Look for the relationships that Timothy is supposed to be cultivating and spurring on. And then the mission that Paul is really charging Timothy to grab a hold of. As you read or listen to the word of God, it, if we want to be willing a willing people, it has to start 
with truth. We have to be, again, filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. That will then create in us the ability to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. But, but here's what I want to challenge you with. You can't do this on your own. You can't walk in a manner worthy of the Lord by yourself. And really, as Paul is wrapping up this letter here, he, he's sharing, these are my people that have my back, that are willing to share, that are willing to struggle, that are willing to serve. And so another question I would have for you this morning is just to maybe think through, who are your people? Who do you have? Last week, Greg challenged us to be praying for that one person in our life that, that doesn't know the Lord or have a walk with the Lord. And that's huge. And I pray that, man, God has given you divine appointments with that person this week as you have prayed for them. But I also think we need to be praying, Lord, who are the other believers in my story who are spurring me on, who their willingness is fueling my willingness? Paul had people. You need people. People willingly helping you live for Jesus. That will fuel your ability to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, which then produces fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And if this has felt overwhelming, I think maybe we just need to pray. Pray that we would be willing to grow in our work and our knowledge of God. It has to start there. And so if this feels like I can't do it, here's, let's go back to where we started. My trek up Long's Peak. As it got closer and closer, I realized I can't do this. And I gave up and I didn't go. It's probably why I'm still standing here. Here's my concern, church. At some point, most of this room, as I look around, you made a decision, I'm willing to follow Jesus. And then life has gotten hard and hectic. Maybe you don't have people. Maybe you don't have a habit of being in the word. My concern is you would treat your spiritual life like I did my adventure on Long's Peak. And you would go, this is too much. I'm just going to downshift and I'm going to give up. Now, that's not to say you lose your salvation. That's not to say that God, like, removes his hand. But I don't want us to be a church. I don't want you to have a walk with the Lord that is unwilling to persevere because it gets hard and it gets scary. I want us to be a people who make it to the mountaintop and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You walked in a manner worthy of the Lord. I don't want us to give up. I want us to spur each other on. We need to be a willing people. And so where I want to close this morning is Paul's kind of last words as we prepare our hearts for communion. I love that the way that Paul wraps this letter to this church up is reminding them that he is willing to suffer I believe because he knows Jesus was willing to suffer and that ultimately all of this is bathed in grace. And so as we prepare our hearts for communion, I just want us to take some time and remember that our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who brings us out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, 
was willing to suffer and die for you. And that grace flows at the foot of the cross. And when we believe that, that transforms how we behave. That is where it grows our willingness to say, yeah, we'll share that with others because that's changing me. Yeah, I'll struggle for that because he struggled for me. And so as the worship team comes up, here's what I want communion to be this morning. I want it to be a holy moment. And so I just want to give us some time and space to remember the grace that we experience at the cross, at the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And then when you feel ready to come to the table, if you are in Christ this morning, the table is a place for believers, for those who are in that kingdom of the beloved son. I want this to be a symbolic declaration this morning that Jesus, I'm willing. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna embrace truth. I'm gonna press in. I'm gonna find my people and struggle and read and pray. And I'm gonna gonna believe rightly and Lord, you're gonna have to change my behavior. And so I want as we come this morning, it it to be us declaring in worship, Jesus, you were willing, so so are we. But let's take a moment and remember and just savor grace that our our, our Savior was willing and that can create in us a willingness. So I'm going to let it be quiet for a moment and then I'm going to pray. And then when you're ready, you can make your way to the communion stations as again, just kind of this declaration, Jesus, because you were willing, so am I. But let's take a moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you that when we fix our eyes on the cross, we see your willingness to walk in obedience to the Father, to live out the mission that you came to accomplish. We see grace on display as your body is broken, as your blood is shed. I just feel compelled. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that does not know you, right now by your spirit, would you bring that life out of darkness and into your kingdom. Would today be a new day for that heart and that soul that walked into this room this morning dead in their sin and their trespasses, unwilling. Jesus, bring bring them into your kingdom right now by your spirit.
Lord Jesus, would you create in us an awe and a willingness to walk in obedience. And so as we come to the table this morning, would we worship you, Jesus, in spirit and in truth? And would that carry over and change how we live and how we behave today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives because you are so worth it. May this time of communion and this time of singing be worshiping to you. Would it be pleasing to you and for our good? It's in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, when you're ready, you can make your way to the table and then we'll stand and sing.